Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. The premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light on it, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Reserver and the Crop Reviver. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code DATHLETIC20. Hello, everyone, and welcome into this episode of On to Waveland here at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller, sitting in for Brett Taylor as the host on this episode of On to Waveland, joined, as always, by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, our Cubs beat writers. Guys, how we doing bright and early on this Friday morning? Oh, yeah. Love to wake up early after those late Cubs games, but happy to talk Cubs for our uh for our 1 million subscribers, which I'll, I'll thank them all right now for that. Uh, we, we hit a huge milestone as a company, and uh, it was uh, obviously very, uh, very nice for me personally to see that number reached as, uh, I believe, the second full-time hire of this company. And uh, to see the company grow this way and mm-hmm. to see the, I mean, not only the employees, but the number of subscribers that we have now is is remarkable and and it's all because of the people listening right now and uh and all our subscribers really appreciate that so a quick thank you to all of them uh uh, we definitely don't do that enough but uh thanks so much to all our listeners and subscribers uh well said sahadev there's obviously lots of people out there who love complaining about the cubs bullpen and wondering why the cubs offense uh is so maddeningly inconsistent <laughs> yeah how many of those uh, how many of those subscribers do you think are here specifically for for you side if that's the second higher like 500,000 yeah, 300,000 yeah. that's good that's a good number sure let's say that let's go with both those numbers combined i'll say <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, in all seriousness, uh, we echo a uh, side of sentiments. Thank you all who are uh, who are subscribers. And if you are listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or another platform and you are not a subscriber, you're not part of that one million number. Guess what? You can become part of that one million number, that one million plus number for just a dollar a month right now. Go to theathletic.com slash on to Waveland and get a subscription for one dollar a month. Really can't beat that deal. Uh, let's talk about that offense because uh, last night uh, things came to life for this team uh, in the middle innings after a, a slow start to the game for the offense and the Reds jumping out to uh, lead the Cubs put together a five-run inning uh, with you know, no homers just uh, base runners and a couple of key hits and you look at this being what David Ross termed the first comeback win and I don't know if that's literally true but you go back through your memory bank for this season and there haven't been very many games where they've gotten down multiple runs early and we've seen them make this charge back it's a different type of win than what we've seen from their first 25 of the year and the sort of win that uh, has to have you feeling good just to know that they have the club in their bag yeah I think especially the way the offense was trending it I I should look up the exact innings but that the first win of this series they scored a couple of runs early a few runs early and then kind of shut down it was almost no hits uh, very little offense in that first game after uh scoring initially and then 
and then obviously shut up by Bauer, and then it looked like Gray was dominating. It really looked like Gray was in a groove. They'd, they'd got some runners on, but I don't know. When, when the Cubs offense looks like they did, it, I start to wonder. It's like, oof, this is going to be rough. They're, how are they going to come up with that big hit? Like uh, It seems to be snowballing. Uh, and, and they did. They, they, they kind of wore down Gray, and, and they got to him. They put up a five spot, if, that, if my memory serves mm-hmm. me right. That was a late night, so if I'm if I'm misremembering <laughs> things, I don't have the box score in front of me. Uh, but uh, they they the fact that they can do that that they look so lost sometimes, and and they can turn it on. It's just another one of those things that that leaves you almost that makes this team kind of tantalizing in a way, and and makes you not want to completely dismiss them and say, well, you know, they have no shot in the playoffs because they're so frustrating. This offense just shuts down way too often. Uh, and, and they don't have anything beyond their uh, first two starters that looks like you can really trust. So it, what, it's very easy to dismiss this team, but then it's also very easy to just get pulled right back in. And I think last night is a perfect example of how we can get pulled back in because the offense can come out and start doing things, even with the wind blowing in, even without a bunch of home runs. There's a way for this team to put up a, a five spot in an inning against a really good pitcher and then and then come out with a ser- what almost looked like a, a bad series loss turned into a, a solid series win. I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was in 2018, the Cubs had an inning like that uh, where they put together maybe six hits. The offense had been struggling and, you know, everyone was asking Madden and the players of like, you know, is this the inning that's going to turn it around and you guys are going to get locked in? And we joked about, you know, doing like an oral history of like (laughs) that fourth inning where the Cubs offense finally realized and obviously that season ended just in... uh, Theo Epstein saying our offense broke and almost two full years later, it still hasn't really uh, been fixed, but uh, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs will, will take it. I think just the frustrating part is, you know, they don't really know if the offense will show up this weekend uh, in Milwaukee, but uh, certainly a good win, a rare comeback win on a night where it couldn't have been particularly easy to hit. Uh, or to play, and you know they, they they grinded it out, and they're still in first place. Yeah, look at the guys at the center of that inning too. You've got Cameron Maben, David Bodie, Nico Horner, Ian Happ. Right, that's uh, the, the bottom of the order doing it again for the Cubs in that, and then from there on, they really uh, they were in control of the game. And uh, when we were getting going, when we were uh, talking about what we were going to talk about before we uh, all hit the record button here this morning, uh, Zad, have you mentioned that uh, it's interesting to see this team go out one day and struggle mightily against an ace as they did against Trevor Bauer on Wednesday. And then you come back Thursday, you know you've got another really tough matchup with Sonny Gray taking the mound. And after a scuffling start, they they ultimately get to him. And uh, it is sort of uh, the mixed bag, right, of this offense that uh, 
they can struggle so much against uh, an ace one night and then come back against another legitimate ace and have the night that they did. We talked earlier in the season about it, how it was going to be interesting. Things kept falling for them where they were avoiding the team's best pitchers. The first time they played the Reds, they avoided uh, Luis Castillo. When they played the Indians, they didn't have to face who was then an Indian, Mike Clevenger or Shane Bieber. They kept getting the schedule to line up right for them. That's not always going to be the case, and it's certainly not going to be the case when they get to the postseason. So uh, this sort of one-two punch of Bauer and Gray was interesting to see these divergent uh, performances by the offense. Yeah, I don't I don't want to make excuses for this offense because it's been multiple years of very similar up-and-down performance. So I think I – think at least Patrick and I and, and many people that watch this team constantly and cover this team are, are hesitant to ever say like, yeah, I trust this offense to do X, Y, or Z. I just don't know what I can trust with them, right? It's very frustrating as someone covering them to, to have that. But I will say that the last few times that they faced like a top-tier pitcher, the first time they faced Bauer, they, they did enough, right? And they had their ace on the mound who shut down the Reds. Uh, Jack Flaherty last Friday, they, they beat him up a little bit when it comes to a very good pitcher. You can consider that beating him up, but same thing with gray. They got shut down by Bauer recently, but that's going to happen. And, and yes, Darvish got touched up, but I mean, you look at this series, just look at the last three games. They won the games that Alec Mills and Edward Alzali started, right? Darvish pitched great after a bad first inning. They lost that game, but you take that series win, right? If you're, if you're going to lose your win day, as as Joe uh, as Joe Ross David Ross calls uh, uh, calls whenever you Darvish pitches then it, and you still win the series that's that's a nice that's a nice little uh, you know three games to come away from nice confidence boost uh, I I'd say they they still have that uh, they they had kind of stepped away from that grinding nature it seemed like but that came back against Sonny Gray. I give them uh, – it's really hard to judge them harshly the way Trevor Bauer is pitching. They, they chased a lot, yes. It didn't look pretty to watch, but you also have to give credit to a nasty pitcher at times. So uh, that that's one of those that where, where I, I, I know how frustrating that offense is, but I also – like I'm trying to take away some positives from from these last few games, and I and I think it's pretty clear that that last night was was a pretty significant positive that you know one of those ones that you can always cling to when you want to say this is what this team can do. Yeah, I think the the frustrating part for Theo, who did a, a Zoom on Thursday, is seeing it for this long and knowing that, uh, you know, this group won a World Series four years ago, and everyone thought, you know, by 2020, this would be, like, the point where they'd all be at the kind of top of their game, and it would be this juggernaut offense, and it just hasn't been, even while Ian Happ, you know, becomes an MVP candidate. Uh, Jason Hayward uh, figures it out on the offensive end as one of the team's, you know, most dynamic players uh, they rolled through hitting coaches and found a guy that, you know, they really, really liked in, in Anthony Iaposi. They have this hand-picked manager, David Ross, uh, you know, shooting him straight and, uh, you know, handling things in, in the dugout and the clubhouse. They have a designated hitter, and it still has been just these, you know, stretches where the offense goes missing, and, and I think – I know they're they're running out of time. I guess the easiest 
fix is, you know, Javi Baez, you know, not being one of the you know, like least productive offensive players <laughs> in the majors right. and Chris Bryant going back to more of his you know career norms as uh, Sahadev you know, wrote about this week. And you know, that's kind of reasonable expect, even though they're, they're running out of time, I guess, you know, some of these players will co- probably come back, you know, down to earth a little bit uh, as well. So, uh, I thought Theo was correct in saying that, you know, no one's going to rem- remember the individual performances as much as long as the Cubs, you know, win the division and, and finish strong. And that if, if for whatever reason, Javi you know, wakes up the last week of September and just gets hot and does what he's done in the playoffs before, I think that will be, you know, kind of what he will be remembered for, you know, this season. But, yeah, I mean, there there are times there where it's hard to see that, though, when he looks like as lost as he's ever been since his uh, debut in 2014. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a familiar theme we've talked about here um, on this uh, on this uh, show that uh, you know, we're 45 games into the season, right? Cubs are 26 and 19, so 45 games into a typical season would be what if I mean this season started when it should have on March 26th, and the Cubs had played 45 games, it would be. May 10th, May 15th, something like that, right? So uh, there is no long-term this season. And I think it was summed up perfectly by uh, by Wilson Contreras' game last night. He goes four for four. He hits two doubles. And his slash line jumps to 261, 361, 430 from 239, 342, 399. Another familiar theme that I think we uh, have to talk about uh, when we're looking at the Cubs and the future. And again, we're, we are not jinxing anything. I don't think any of us is afraid to talk about no hitters during no hitters or perfect games during perfect games. And we're not afraid to talk about the fact that a 26 and 19 team in the context of a 2020 season is going to the playoffs. So when we look ahead to that, uh, bullpen obviously is going to be a huge part of the discussion as it has been all season long and you know, peel back the curtain a little bit more when we were talking about what we were going to talk about this morning. So how have you brought up the fact that suddenly maybe it seems like there's a lot of swing and miss guys in the pen. Yeah, it, it, it kind of struck me while watching Jason Adam, like uh, there's another guy that's striking out a ton of guys. And, and what I think he's got like a 40% strikeout rate. Uh, the Cubs bullpen as a whole is fourth in baseball. As far as strikeout rate goes, uh, I mean, the list is getting longer and, and Rowan Wick seems to kind of be clicking and, and looking a little bit better in my mind as far as really the only one that that Ross doesn't lean that Ross leans on that doesn't miss a lot of bats is Jeffress and and he's been great uh, you look at the peripherals they're a little concerning with the I think it's like an 18 percent strikeout rate and a 12 percent walk rate I mean that those are concerning but also he's getting the job done uh, but Jason Adam is someone that one of those typical relievers that's just like really intriguing in the sense that he's got a mid 90s fastball. He's got a really good breaking ball. Uh, he's messing with this. Uh, it, it comes up as a change up, I think, on on like Statcast, but it's it's only like three or four miles per hour lower than his uh, four seamer uh, in velocity. So it, it to me it just looks like a two seamer because uh, the way it moves is like down and and with some arm side run, it, it, whatever it is it, it looks it, it, there's this command aspect that he's starting to figure out it feels like 
that that makes him very intriguing because I remember when they got him, I got a couple texts from scouts outside of uh, outside of the Cubs organization, and that was one of the names. They're like, you know, if he can get some command, this is an interesting guy. He's the fastball plays. It's it's a high spin fastball. It's all about a little bit of command with all the pitches. If he can have some command, it's a guy that could be a, a, a nice weapon out of the bullpen and then you know Underwood misses a lot of bats Tapera misses a lot of bats nobody wants to hear it but Craig Kimbrough looks great I I mean I I know it, it I mean just since since we talked about since we started talking about the potential that he's has a chance to be good uh, right after basically that uh the first three bad outings when he had the stretch of uh three really good outings and then he had the blown save I think Outside of the blown save uh, against the Reds, this is, I mean, it's a pretty pretty impressive stretch. He's striking out over half the batters he faces. He's walking too many guys, and I think it's a couple outings, but most of his outings have been really good. I don't, I'm not saying uh, David Ross should insert him into the closer and just lock him down and that this guy's the same guy he's always been uh, in the past, but there's he certainly looks really good when he's been out there recently. At minimum, he's he's someone that uh, Ross can uh, call upon to get some strikeouts every now and then. Uh, I I don't know if you if you if he's ready to trust him in high leverage roles again, but he looks confident out there and he's getting results. I didn't expect this team to this bullpen to be. I I expected this bullpen to come around. I expected this bullpen to be much better than what they showed that first week, week and a half. I, I did expect that. I believe that there was a chance for that to happen. Um, I did not think that they'd be a strikeout group. I just didn't know if they had enough guys. And they're like the guys that I mentioned. I didn't know if Adam would be a part of this bullpen. I didn't know if Dwayne Underwood could really take that, those raw, uh, that raw talent and, and turn it into production out of the bullpen. Uh, both of those guys are big strikeout guys now. I had no clue Ryan Tapera was going to be a strikeout guy. I, I thought they would be able to piece it together and and do the typical smoke and mirror stuff that they've done a lot with these with this bullpen. But they're actually getting some pretty high leverage outs. Uh, they're get they're doing they're missing bats. Uh, I mean they lose yesterday's game with a bad bullpen. You know, like if the they had to how what was it. He was out after three and a third, was it? I don't know. I, I can't even remember what how many innings Alzali pitched, but it's that it, that isn't a game you win with a bad bullpen. It, there's no chance you win that game. Uh, the the bullpen kept them in the the previous game as well. Uh, when when Darvish only went six, uh, three innings from the bullpen helped a lot. I mean, it's just they just look a lot better, and and they some of these guys are like, huh, I'm kind of confident that they'll get the job done, and. It, that's not been a feeling with the bullpen. So it's just, a, and, and there are reinforcements coming in the sense that Chatwood is on his way back. Uh, Quintana's on his way back. There's all the, there's, you can play around with this bullpen and say, well, whatever these guys roles are, I'm not a hundred percent sure what that is, but there, are, there's a way that you can really piece this together. And it's pretty, pretty strong part of your team. Yeah. In terms of updates on, on those guys, uh, Quintana and Chatwood have both continued their throwing program. I believe the hope is that they will each throw bullpen sessions at some point uh, this weekend. I think the Cubs have been, you know, maybe 
surprised uh, in terms of Chatwood because I kind of looked when he walked off the mound in Cincinnati like that could have been, you know, immediate season-ending type of moment. Uh, but you know, Theo Epstein was honest about it in that, you know, any setback for either guy, if anything goes wrong, their season uh, is over and you, know, you can't really rule out that possibility. But as long as they keep making you know, steady progress, they are going – to help this team, they'll be able to contribute and they're obviously not going to be <laughs> stretched back out. Uh, and neither guy has shown that like, you know, they're a game one playoff starter and should get all of that, you know, consideration. And all of a sudden, you know, you put those two names, uh, in the mix, um, maybe they're able to cover some of those innings, uh, a lot easier and the, the bullpen gets a lot deeper and all of a sudden there are some you know relatively big names out there and Ross has a lot of options to go with Cubs heading to Milwaukee this weekend for a three-game series with the Brewers got Lester and Brandon Woodruff tonight Kyle Hendricks Britt Anderson on Saturday Alec Mills and Adrian Hauser on Sunday and uh, Cubs fans if you want to feel good about this weekend series you know uh, the Brewers are always find a way to Brewer against the Cubs but uh, I do quite a bit of work with uh the host of our Brewers podcast, uh, Derek Van Riper, a uh, Brewers fan, and uh, he and I do a lot of work in our fantasy football and fantasy baseball departments. And uh, yesterday before a show he and I recorded that had nothing to do with the Cubs or the Brewers, he said something to me along the lines of how miserable it has been to be a Brewers fan and watch the Brewers this season. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe they won't Brewer. Maybe they won't Brewer against the, the Cubs this weekend up at Miller Park. And uh, in the spirit of Brett Taylor, I think we can leave it there for this episode. So uh, thank you for listening. Listening. Again, if you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, get yourself a $1 per month subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash on to Waveland. For Patrick and Sahadev, I am Michael. We will be back with you next week with a couple of episodes of On to Waveland. Until then, have a great weekend and enjoy the Cubs against the Brewers, hopefully not brewering this weekend. <laughs>